Hi, and a warm welcome to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. I am Jennifer Rose. And I am Inga Larissa. Together we are Whiskey Sisters. We would love you to join our weekly adventures. Come on, let us rock your whiskey world. There'll be lots of news, gossip, bottle releases, and we will be raising our glasses through the tastiest of drams. We'll be hosting expert guests, hitting the road, and visiting some of the distilleries near you. And let's not forget dropping in some cheeky whiskey facts. Join our whiskey journey. A warm whiskey sister's welcome. This week we are talking about independent bottlers and we will be sampling a few indie drams later on. Yes, we are spoiled for choice and this is a very busy dram on fire this week with drams from four different independent bottlers. But now let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. Ian McLeod and a team of four students from Herriot Watts International Centre for Brewing and Distilling collaborated to create the new whisky. Together, they looked for an ideal method for finishing blended Scotch whisky in a Virgin American oak cask, looking at four components, fill strength, blend formulation, time in the cask and toast char level. The resulting three-year-old blend is composed of 45% Speyside, 15% Highland and 40% Lowland whiskies. The liquid spent three months finishing in virgin American oak barrel, leading to an aroma of toffee and coconut with a warming base of clove and cinnamon. Sweet coffee and rich chocolate follow on the palate with a finish of spice and lively oak character. It's bottled at 44.4% ABV, Blending Room 01, Herriot Watt Release is available to purchase for £35 British pounds. So the launch marks the first collaboration between Ian McLeod and the University's International Centre for Brewing and Distilling with annual limited releases planned as part of the project. Uh, a Scotch whisky producer has also gifted equipment to the University's Sensory Suite to help the scholars in their studies. Yeah, and they actually sent us a bottle to try, which we haven't mm. opened yet. Um, I actually visited the university one time because I was trying to figure out what do I want to do with my life and I was thinking mm, maybe I want to do some distilling and stuff. Oh but then, really? I didn't yeah, know that. But then I did the tour and I was like oh it's just maybe a little bit too much chemistry for my liking. Right. <laughs> I'm not like even you know like when I'm cooking I, I can't do baking because you have to measure everything so carefully. <laughs> but like with cooking, I'm like, yeah, a little bit that, a little bit that, to measure anything ever. So I, I don't think I would be very good. Super in admire when people are good at game, like at scientific stuff. And it does really interest me, but I've just not got that kind of brain. I used to buy new scientist and like read the articles, but couldn't even regurgitate the chat to people at the pub <laughs> because I was just like, oh, I don't quite understand it enough to actually relay the story. <laughs> so there's been another bit of news for the peat lovers. Peem Santory, the owner of Lafroig and Bomer, has entered a partnership to restore peatlands in Ayrshire as it works towards the conservation of the equal amount of peat used to make its Isla single malts. Peem Santory will provide £385,000 of funding to restore and regenerate peatland in East Ayrshire. And the work will take place over four years, covering approximately 160 hectares of land owned by RCP. Scotland. Lovely regeneration and balancing things out. Yeah, exactly. We want to 
keep drinking peated whiskey, but it's good to know that they are doing their bit too. Yeah. So also, because it's November, so November, Buffalo Trace is celebrating November by launching a campaign in the UK to raise funds and awareness for men's health. Participating bars across the UK will offer a Buffalo Trace old-fashioned garnished with a moustache-shaped orange peel. The whiskey brand hopes that the garnish will serve as a reminder of the importance of conversations in challenging the status quo of men's health. How cool is that? Personally, I think moustaches should be all year round because I love a good moustache. I think it was watching Magnum and loving Tom Selleck in the 1980s. (laughs) (laughs) Let's rock. Okay, so independent bottlers are companies that have the desire to sell whiskey but don't necessarily want or have the means to open their own distillery. They purchase individual barrels from distilleries which they later bottle under their own branded label. This is something that I personally found a little bit confusing when I was new to the whiskey world. They have the power to choose when to bottle or re-rack and that way they create their own unique whiskey. Yeah, so like Jen mentioned, independent bottlers can provide non-typical whiskey from a distillery by using a several techniques. As an example, they can choose to provide cask strength spirit rather than diluting it with water or to provide bottles at different ages than the distillery's standard releases or finish them in different casks. The history of independent bottling can be traced back as far as the mid-1800s when Caden Heads began began selling and marketing whiskey under their own name. Another well-known name is Gordon and McPhail, which was founded in 1895 as a grocery business in Elgin in Speyside. Some of these older independent bottlers have actually acquired distilleries. From summer 2002, Diageo discontinued the sale of casks from their malt whiskey distilleries to independent bottlers. The consequence of the limited supply has seen a number of independent bottlers acquire distilleries of their own. For example, Gordon and McPhail bought the neighbouring distillery Benromach in 1993 and the new Cairn distillery, which will see the first official whiskies sometime in the 2030s. I saw that they actually also, they let you dry some of their whiskies if you visit the distillery, like they have little little cheeky samples, but they obviously aren't the official ones. Oh, so as they're maturing, they let you taste. Yeah. That's quite exciting being part of the journey. Signatory Vintage acquired Edradour. 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 <laughs> that's, that's how I would say it, but who knows. <laughs> In 2002, Stuart, Hunter, Lang have established the Arden Ho Distillery on Isla in 2019. Oh, I'm quite excited about that. I actually looked into cask investment there, but it was out with my budget. The Weems family behind Weems Malts built the Fife-based Kingsbarn Distillery in 2009. It is also worth noting that the Caden Heads is owned by the family that also run Springbank award-winning Springbank and Glengyle Distilleries. However, the independent bottler was sold to the distilling family in 1972 rather than the other way around. That's what I think makes it a little bit more confusing. There are independent bottlers that also are in charge of distilleries. So it's yeah. kind of like, it's a bit weird. I think uh, Adna Macken is the same, isn't it? With the Adelphi. Yes, the Adelphi with the Wee Dancing Man logo. They've yeah. got both going on as well, haven't they? Yeah. We've been gifted a fair number of samples during this year from various independent bottlers. Yay, thank you. Keep the whiskies <laughs> coming through the door. 
Yeah. We love a sample. We love it. So one of them is the Whiskey Baron, who sent a full founder's collection, including a Port Charlotte 13-year-old, 16-year-old Bunahaven, Fetakan, 10-year-old, and more. So they have also this Renaissance line, which includes some luxurious single casks like Springbank 30, which, Ooh. you know, we would happily accept. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's sold out, actually. The idea is based on the original Whiskey barons of the late 19th century. The whiskey barons were a small group of pioneers that revolutionized the perception of whiskey, presenting it as like the sophisticated dram for the London gentleman. And maybe if you listen to some of our previous episodes, you might remember the story of Glendronach, where, <laughs> where they went to London to try to sell whiskey and couldn't and met the ladies of the night. And <laughs> so everyone is, all these distilleries, all the producers been trying to make their way into London back in the day. And these barons included men like James Buchanan, Sir Alexander Walker, Sir Peter McKee, and many others. Whiskey Baron's social media is amazing. And the guy who I kind of call the Whiskey Baron, that's terrible. I should know his real name. He's got like a super amazing beard. I know. He can navigate TikTok, which is beyond me. TikTok is crazy. And he started his own podcast. And I think, do you know what? There's room for us all. Encourage the Whiskey Podcast listening and yeah yeah and I, I really like the bottles and they have this kind of it does look a little bit more sophisticated in a way with their little kind of goldeny font and there's a whiskey baron on the label but I actually think it kind of looks like the guy it does look totally like the guy and there's a kind of funky edginess to it as well I think yeah and he's quite bold I've listened to a bit of his podcast and he's effing all over the place so, and like just giving his opinions then there's the single cask which source exceptional single malt whiskey Irish whiskey and American bourbon I want to say bourbon but bourbon bourbon <laughs> Bourbon. Their aim is to find great examples of what typifies a particular distillery's characteristics or what showcases a certain maturation technique. Their bottles are styled like a decanter, designed to be passed around a group of friends. And the single cask also works as a whiskey broker and you can buy casks directly through them. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? I love their minis because they're the same shape, but they're just like tiny miniature size. They're so cute. Cute. I love a decanter. Inca this very week I've purchased a new skull decanter slightly bigger than my previous one I'm very excited by it I know I saw it it looks amazing. <laughs> oh, Inca, I've remembered the, the Whiskey Baron's name. It's Jake Sharp. Yeah, when I say remember, I've quickly looked him up on Instagram because <laughs> I'm getting super bad for remembering names and that's terrible. But he seems really lovely and his podcast is called The Uncut and Unfiltered Podcast. They're not only doing audio, they're doing video podcasting as well Ooh, so that's brave indeed it is <laughs> and then there's the whiskey seller whose single grain bottlings we actually featured in season one the brand owner keith was here chatting with us so go back and listen to that episode so you'll learn more about keith's story and single grain in general but also more about the whiskey seller the whiskey seller also bottles plenty of amazing other like single malts it's not single grains only um and he has this brand under the whiskey seller umbrella which which is called the Easy Sipper. There's been two releases so far, 25-year-old single crane from Enver Gordon Distillery and then eight-year-old single malt from McMurra Distillery, which we will be sampling soon. I didn't realise this was the second Easy Sipper. I'm learning on my own podcast. I yeah, love it. Yeah, well, actually, 
Uh, there is a third bottle being released soon, very soon. Oh, and there's more. We also have a sample from Fergan Harris, which is a luxury single cask, single malt brand. They pair exquisite whiskies with different wood finishes for truly distinctive drams. They've bottled a 32-year-old Glenrothes and a 12-year-old Linkwood, which was finished in a ruby port hogshead. Basically, there are so many independent bottlers, aren't there, Inca? We're certainly not mentioning them all in one episode. We have had an episode on the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and Douglas Lang and Co. Remarkable Regional Malts before. So go ahead, treat yourself. If you've not listened, tune in to those as well. So let's start the sampling because that's what we're here for. Dram on fire. Okay, so like I just mentioned, the easy sipper. So Easy Sipper is kind of 70s, has a 70s vibe, doesn't it? There's umbrella, umbrellas, not umbrellas, but rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of got like a psychedelic feeling. It's very brightly yeah. labeled, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I quite like all the colors and the vibe. So we have the eight-year-old single molds from McMurray Distillery, which is matured 50 meters below ground in virgin American oaks and bottled at 49.5% ABV. So Keith kindly gifted us bottle each. So let's start with that one. What do you think about the color? Sunset. Yeah, sunset. That's that's very on brand, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. There's actually like on the logo as well. There's sun setting, isn't it, Yay. with the rays? Maybe that was inspiring me as I was as I was observing yeah. the color. Yeah, but I would agree. Okay, so all the easy sippers are said to be on the sweet side. So it's a sharing dram, the sweetest you can get. So I can definitely get that on the nose. Like, even if I still sound a little bit blocked, but actually I can finally get the sweetness through my nostrils. So your, your nosing powers are almost back to full super strength. Yeah. So I was getting hubba, hubba booba. What is oh, the, you know, the I love gum. the way you say that. Hubba bubba. I love that. Oh my God. Yeah. So that bubble gum, mm-hmm. loads and loads of cocktail cherries, you know, those bright red ones. Mm-hmm. Then I was getting a little bit pink grapefruit or some sort of citrus there on the background what did you get anything like that at all yes i sure did inca i got kind of white grapes for the fruitiness very much the sweetness i can completely relate to the cocktail cherries i don't know if you've heard of the tray bake that you put in the fridge and it's called 15 no see when i'm on a bad sugar attack i used to make this oh my god it's so good but i can't make it anymore because i just eat too much of it so it's called 15 because you make it with like 15 digestive biscuits 15 glassy cherries those bright red ones and condensed milk and desiccated coconut and then you like mush it up put it in the fridge and then it's just like a sugar high but very much those um i got that kind of like lovely sweetness and the cherry and all of that biscuitiness and condensed milk on the nose Wow, that sounds yeah. pretty intense, actually. Like yeah. proper sugar rush, isn't it? Indeed. And maybe like, um, is it Bakewell tart? Is that the one with cherries as well? Yeah, that's the one yeah. with the kind of almondy cherry. Yeah, I think that's like now with air, I'm getting that kind of almondy mm-hmm. cherry stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, I was getting kind of with the air a little bit more cinnamon spice, maybe those kind of wine, red wine poached pears. Okay, yeah. Um, but on the palate, I was still getting the bubblegum sweetness, vanilla icing. Then I felt there was a little bit some sort of saltiness 
or some sort of spice? I found the spice quite strong. And I've written fiery, fresh, like ginger spice, kind of citrusy fruits, kind of lemony, limeish, but then like a, almost like a kind of sour cherry syrup. It was way less sweet than I imagined it would be on the palate. I would still say it's sweet. Uh, I can definitely get the, the ginger, but I didn't find it that spicy. I feel like it goes away so fast. You know, we've had quite a different experience. I don't know if I had got so mesmerised in my memory of this tray bake that I was anticipating <laughs> extraordinary sweetness. I'm not quite sure what happened there. But I was like, oh, this is like super spicy and sour. Well, I definitely get that kind of the spice in it because I was trying to figure out whether it's kind of that. You know, sometimes when you have a, like a salty whiskey, it sometimes yeah. feels like a spicy, but it's, it's just the saltiness. Yeah. So that's why I, I couldn't really figure it out. But I think ginger makes sense. I was getting a little bit oak as well. And then mm -hmm. like super overly ripe peaches and pears. Oh, lovely. You know, like really just become really sweet and juicy. Yeah, juicy, nice. But there was definitely something minty on the finish, like something fresh. I've written surplume on the finish, which is Scottish for sour plums. <laughs> These little <laughs> hard sweets. I used to buy them as a kid, like, and your face would all like tuck it in. <laughs> oh, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Surplums. It's definitely a sweeter dram. Is it an easy sipper? It's not as easy a sipper for me as, as I imagined. It's a little bit spicy for my palate. But after hearing your tasting notes, I think I'm going to go back to it again and have the air in it a little bit more and see if I can pick up a wee bit more of that sweetness. So I'm really looking forward to doing that. What about I, for you, Inca? Well, it is an easy sipper if you like sweet whiskies. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't sip more than a dram because it's so sweet for me. I know there's lots of people who love their sweet drams, so yeah. maybe we should actually send some for the Finns, because Sana was loving all the sweet drams. She was. <laughs> maybe I should make some tree bake. I don't know how, how if it would last in the post. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just in time for Christmas. <laughs> Fergan Harris, Speyside 12-year-old, six months in a first fill, Pedro Jimenez, Sherry Hogshead at 55.7% ABV. And we don't know anything about the distillery. I didn't look too much either, but it doesn't say anything on their bottle or it didn't say anything on their website either. So because they had few other um, releases as well, and they've mentioned the names like the liquid and, you know. Mm -hmm. But this one didn't have anything, so I don't know. Who can tell us? Give us the gossip. What distillery <laughs> is this from? I don't think I'm quite as talented to be able to tell. There's so many <laughs> distilleries in Speyside. It's just... I'm just glad if I can tell if it's peated or unpeated in a blind taste, <laughs> and I'm not going that far to detect I distilleries. Know. Sometimes the peat is so gentle as well that you don't yeah. even really think about it. For sure. What did you think of the colour of this one, Inca? Well, this one is kind of dark like a brownie, reddish, you know, ambery. I think all our whiskies today are pretty dark in colour. Yes, well, we'll come back to that because one of our tastings, we've got different whiskies. I would agree. I've got a kind of almost a toffee-ish colour. And the nose was amazing. So delicious. I don't know. It was kind of sweet, cheesy. You know, those dense fruit cakes that you, you always mm -hmm. mention. Mm -hmm. There was mm -hmm. also those cherries was they were here. Mm -hmm. Not the cocktail cherries, but different kind of cherries. Yes, I agree. I think it's super nice on the nose. I don't know if I was inspired by the colour, but it was reminding me of like dark treacle toffee. Um, my dad used to eat this treacle toffee with Brazil nuts in it when I was a little girl and I would like risk my teeth on it, but it was really soft, very strong flavours. I was getting that 
Nanos. I don't know if you get them in Finland, but you know those really skinny biscuits? They're like almond crisp and they've got like wee bits of almond in them. They're quite a oh, strong oh. smell. Hmm. I got them. And then this is maybe a bit random, but I was like, oh, I'm not getting coastal saltiness. However, I feel I'm in a field kind of near to the coast. I'm getting outside smell. Can you That's can you meet me there in the field, Inca? I can definitely meet you in the field. <gasps> Do you know what? That's quite philosophical, like the roomy poem. <laughs> One minute we're nosing drams, the next minute we're just getting a little bit deep and meaningful. It's very, very pleasant nose and there's a lot yeah. to discover if you give it some time. That nose just gave me so much like anticipation i was expecting something mind-blowing hopes and dreams activated in the nose (laughs) yeah so it was spiced for sure nutty you know the classic dried fruits classic sherry influence for sure a little bit sweetness on the background and then i was thinking this kind of buttery crust i don't know we're trying to think about the word you know when you you make a tart like Mm -hmm. a pie yes so you have that kind of buttery pastry thing that you put on yes i don't know what that's called i'm totally with you on that so that's what i was getting because you mentioned with regard to the last dram that cherry bakewell but you know cherry bakewell kind of tart slash pie has got that slightly kind of heavy pastry i've got that also maybe the density of a sponge pudding not the syrup of it but you know like the kind of heavy dense sponge and i found it quite warming like with baking spices but not super spicy yeah baking spices good call it's just left me a little bit You know, like it was all right, but I felt like it was a classic sherry dram. How did you find the finish on it? Well, that's the thing. I was getting that buttery, crusty thing at the finish. And Ah. I don't think the finish is very long at all. Medium to short, short to medium. It sounds like I've enjoyed it on the palate more than you, Inca. I've written a really nice on the finish (laughs) and was getting like a beautiful cigar with the flaky layers of the tobacco and aromatic, just ambience of relaxed evening i was like <laughs> all the way there on the finish now that you mentioned those like tobacco leaves and i just had a sip earlier i can definitely get like that kind of damp leaves mm. like autumn leaves you know on a wet day that kind of there's something earthy in the finish maybe i guess you just maybe in general prefer more of the sherried ones than i do so but yeah it wasn't bad i i didn't mean it that way the nose i think i was just because the nose i was like oh yeah enchanted <laughs> nose <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> expecting a magical journey i really enjoyed this one i would be reaching for a drama of this again next up is the single cask kulila four-year-old bottled at 58.6% APV and it is first fill PX octave 50 liter cask. This is the one that I was saying earlier about the cute miniature bottle. Super cute. Yes, very. They're kind of chunky and delicious, aren't they? Okay, so I'm not sure if you're going to love this as much as I do. I was like, take me to all these peaches fields. Love it. Yes, I'm, so, predict- I'm predicting this is <laughs> this one will be for the win for Inca. The color was very dark reddish. Again, like I want to say amber, but it was a bit more reddish. Yeah, really quite dark. I don't know what was the way I was yeah. looking at it in the small bottle, but hurtling towards mahogany. Yes, definitely. Nice kind of giving me autumn vibes for sure. Mm -hmm. But on the nose, oh my God, I was getting barbecued pork served in a tray of fresh strawberries. Like, you know, (laughs) like sliced strawberries so you can really get the scent, you know. Nice mixture. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was just divine. I definitely hear you on the bacon. I got salty bacon, you know, potato chips. I also got marshmallows. A lovely smell of boatyard growing up on the coast and then on the Isle of Mull. And my dad had boats when I was small, so I would often trail along by his side and be dragged around boatyards. And I love the smell of a boatyard. It's like salty and kind of like mildly fishy, but not really. And then there's engine oil and wood <laughs> and just like lots of lovely boatyard smell. So I got a big waft of that. <laughs> love it I was also like thinking oaky biscuits and you know okay I'm thinking oaky biscuits with smoked cheese but without the smell being cheesy but you know that when you just smell the yeah. smoky cheese that the smoke is so strong like it palette how was it for you I had bonfire roasted beef burgers and toasted marshmallows on the bonfire so again that kind of meaty sweetness mix and then I kind of felt like there was a herbal vibe going on couldn't quite pin it down so I just kind of guessed the herb thyme there's definitely like strong sweetness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. almost that kind of sugary I don't know gives you like a funky mouthfeel quite strong in peat but it works really nicely with the sweetness I quite like that the contrast balanced yeah there's definitely some sort of earthiness but again like I was thinking I'm always just I don't know why I just always thinking pork maybe because I don't really eat pork anymore <laughs> like I want bacon <laughs> but like maple literally you know like pancakes with crispy bacon and maple syrup nice on the finish I've got smoky bacon potato chips again I almost wanted to like smell my fingers like thinking <laughs> I like I've got bacon breath and fingers and I was like Taste a little bit like, you know, those haggis and black pepper crisps. Yeah. If I was sipping that like in a function, I would be like frightened to breathe on someone thinking <laughs> I was smelling all bacony, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's so good. I'm, I'm loving this. That was very good. I thought it was nice. Oh, I can see how people are going to love that. And it's like beautifully balanced and like qualitative. But it's a wee bit grown up on the palate for me, Inca. This is the funny one because we've got all those samples from the Whiskey Baron. But unfortunately, we didn't really have time to sample them together or share them properly. So... I just took a couple of bottles and Jen got some and so we got different bottles. This is the last dram of the night. So Jen, you got the Buna and I have Port Charlotte, 13-year-old, which is distilled at Bruladi in 2007 and matured exclusively in Fres Bosne Romania Barik. No yeah. idea how to pronounce that. And no, that was nicely I, done. No, I don't even know what that is. Like, is it wine? <laughs> <laughs> is it wine is it sherry is it brandy but sounds cool and yeah so 13 years old bottled at 60.5 abv Ooh, heavy oh also actually just a quick one just forgot to say on the previous one mm -hmm. considering that it was a very high abv i didn't find like the nose was very nice it wasn't like in your face you know alcoholic or anything you wouldn't think that's so strong good show if that was a blind tasting you would definitely um 
anticipate that still being a nice high ABV for the flavours, but not as high as 15.6. Yeah, exactly. So this bought Charlotte is really nice. Again, like, yeah, so this one is super dark in colour. I can see that Um, actually. Wow. Amber reddish. We can see each other, although we're not on video on YouTube, but we can see each other while we record in case you think I'm like just psychically tuning in there. (laughs) The nose is very autumn. Also with loads of summer berries, like you know the red gooseberries like really kind of juicy fruits nice or berries i guess really yummy and i wasn't getting any peak on the nose autumn mixed with summer amazing on the palate that's when the peak comes alive there's quite a lot like a drying mouthfeel compared to the the previous drums of the day i'm still getting loads of berries like blackberries it's just super juicy at the same time nice it's funny because the previous kulila i was thinking pork with on the tray of strawberries and this is kind of more dry kind of ashy like a bonfire or a fireplace kind of thing but then there's that kind of berry mix but different types of berries mm, like it and the finish is sweeter and i'm still getting now maybe more red berries and it's not as dry on the finish as i was expecting i think there's just the initial sip but very unusual for like Port Charlotte yeah. is a bit more fruity. A nice surprise. Yeah, again, like really nice dram. And I should, I should probably find out what that, what that cask, what is it? Yeah, we should Google that, shouldn't we? <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm like came into this episode totally unprepared, but you know, we don't look things up too much. We don't search the whiskies because I don't personally, well, like you mentioned this before as well, like we don't really like to know what other people think yeah, or but- what are the tasting notes given by the distillery. It's just nice to discover it yourself, but I probably should Definitely. have looked up the Rosen Romania. I, I listen to a lot of crime podcasts and they'll say, they'll list all the people in the production and they'll say, fact-checked by, and I'm like, it's just Inca and I. We have no one else. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a fact checker just yet oh well welcome to my Buna world thank you whiskey baron this is a 16 year old distilled abunahaben in 2002 i want to say bonahaven as david brody taught us bonahaven i know i've been practicing actually <laughs> yeah. today i was thinking yeah bonahaven yeah bonahaven 2002 and matured exclusively in Bourbon Hogshead for 16 years and it's bottled at 51% volume. As I mentioned earlier, it's a beautiful light kind of sunrise straw colour. I was finding it beautiful in the nose, Madagascan vanilla ice cream, coffee foam with chocolate shavings, creme brulee crust and my shoulders were beginning to like mm, like get all like kind of dancey swagger. I just like felt all excited and my seat and my, my shoulders were going which is always a good sign for me when I get that when I'm losing a whiskey <laughs> tingling tingling spine I remember <laughs> <laughs> do you know this is potentially slightly bizarre notes for the palate but you know we we're talking about pastry earlier I got my gran Chrissy's steak pie flaky pastry with steak pie gravy oh Oh, it was so good. Like my what? grandfather was a butcher. My gran worked in the shop. She made these amazing steak pies for the shop. She was like legend. Um, and I got that. I was like, oh, this is so sippable, so sippable. And I was like sipping away. And I was getting all sorts. I also felt I was getting the taste of metal tools. Oh my God. <laughs> like explain. 
I know, I don't know what, I was like, oh, because when you say that, you think that sounds like horrible or tinny or irony, but it wasn't. Again, I quite like the smell of like industrial warehouses, but then I'm like, yeah, it's not just metal tools that I'm tasting. I'm getting like beautiful whipped cream from a homemade trifle. There was just so much going on. And then in the finish, as if I've had a homemade trifle, you know, with the sponge, the sherry soaked sponge and the jam and all that and the aftertaste but kind of like a hay barn and I thought you know what I feel as if in that glass there's been a family celebration and like I've been on a nature adventure <laughs> love it sorry <laughs> in one glass I'm like oh my goodness this is like offering me a lot oh my god it's taking you in a totally amazing journey <laughs> yeah it is through space and time, through, you know, celebratory meals and like out adventuring in sheds and haymarns. But I guess it's just, you know, testimony to what we've spoken about many times, like, you know, that that kind of sensory part of your experience linking to memories and then the taste that you've had that are kind of unique to you or, or your family. Yeah. Overall, I would say pretty decent whiskies this week. Ooh, yes, indeed. Go independent bustlers. Absolutely. <laughs> Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. As we mentioned the octave cask earlier, would you like to explain what is the difference between quarter cask and octave? Both are smaller casks, which mean the spirit will mature faster as it will have more contact with the wood. So quarter cask is a quarter of a butt, which makes it 125 litres. An octave cask is about an eighth of a butt, so 50 litres. Also, octave gets the name from music, which always has to do with number eight, so that makes sense. Oh, definitely. Um, there's been quite a few quarter cask and octave casks recently, and like Kilhoman has a funny one because they've got some inconsistencies on their releases. So mm -hmm. they had octave casks that were 100 litres, so it doesn't quite, you know, octave should always, I think should always be 50 liters so it's a oh, kind of funky one. Oh, but i guess it was like eight of a cast so it kind of makes sense but it's a bit weird one. Oh, i wasn't aware of that was called so don't don't always believe everything on the label <laughs> <laughs> see my inner teenager when you were giving me that fact i was thinking of beavis and butthead like they would be like you <laughs> oh, <laughs> said but like i kept kind of thinking oh, yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that, I think we always like on MTV they were like, saying that yeah, yeah totally reminds me of my wee brother and his friends used to like watch it and kind of be like them we could uh, we could dress up as Beavis and Butthead in one of our future videos oh my god yes next Halloween <laughs> or Fuck Wayne yeah. and Garth you've been listening to the Whiskey Sisters podcast so next week, Sam from Cask 88 will return to chat about Taiwanese whiskey. He actually lived in Taiwan for quite some time, so you can consider him as an expert of some sort. And we will be sampling Cavalan and another Taiwanese whiskey, which we will reveal next week. Fantastic. It'll be lovely to have Sam back. Find yourself some Taiwanese whiskey and tune in next Wednesday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at Whiskey Sisters, and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. And if you are enjoying what we do, please tell all your friends and get them to join us. Yes, and subscribe, subscribe on Yay. your favorite podcast channels. Come on. And people. review us. Do it all, do it all. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> so may your class be full and your dram on fire. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>